WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. R&D in the QC, episode 73. It's the Battle of District 2. We interview all four candidates and talk to current District 2 council member, Justin Harlow. That's right, folks. District 2 candidate showdown. And we're going to start out with very, very special guest... Justin Harlow, a.k.a. Doc J. Glad Doc to be J. here. Always a pleasure to be on the podcast with you guys. Silky Smooth Sounds. This could be one of the last times you're ever on the podcast, my friend. Why's that? Because you're leaving us. And so. we're never going to have you back on. <laughs> <laughs> then we're not allowed to talk to you. So um, we've already uh, interviewed in the Candidate Showdown all four of the folks running in D2 uh, to fill your mighty large shoes you control every committee um you've basically locked down all the power on council um and you've but decided you're a benevolent to dictator benevolent right <laughs> right um the question is very simply put um who are you endorsing smooth operator man surgical jake surgical who are you endorsing <laughs> I am endorsing um, whoever the voters endorse Ooh. next Tuesday. Um, I guess technically November, but likely next or a couple Tuesdays from now, um, as the primary is really generally what what makes the difference. Um, in for the record, two. for the listeners out there, it's two weeks from tomorrow, two weeks. September tenth. <laughs> <Two weeks. laughs> yeah. It's important that we clarify that. Um, you know, we we got some good candidates. Um, you know, I, I always am. Um, proud to know the folks who are choosing to offer themselves up to represent um, any district in this city, but particularly on the northwest side. Um, you know, a lot of history, a lot of legacy in District 2, um, and we got, you know, some solid candidates running. So talk a little bit about, you've been here a year and a half representing that district, you've been living in it for longer than that. Talk a little bit about the, and, and several of the candidates did, the dynamic uh, set of neighborhoods that you represent, because there are um, very different perspectives very different issues for different parts of the district as is the case in mine as well and then talk about what you think some of the specific issues in district two are that you've had to deal with that will probably carry over into whoever takes over for you definitely um yeah we i wouldn't i probably wouldn't classify it as the most diverse district i think matt newton will run in here and, and uh and get on us <laughs> if i said that one um but in in you know in is the, the, most in the words i was about to say in the words of our great commissioner in district two um bill malik yes definitely the most powerful district no doubt um you know we look at the neighborhoods you, of course the heartbeat of district two of i've always described as the heartbeat Beatty's ford road so we think of west trade and Beatty's ford from johnson c smith all the way up to um, basically the Huntersville town line um, past North Lake Mall. Um, it wraps around into Derrida. De- Derrida in the Sugar Creek area. You get a little bit of uh, West W.T. Harris coming towards the university um, near UNC Charlotte. And then everything out west, which you know, oftentimes people forget about, um, which is the northwest part of the, the county and the district, out Mountain Island Lake, the Coolwood area, um, and then also 3rd and 4th Ward uptown. So you've got kind of a suburban, kind of old farm, 
farm now kind of lake communities out in the west uh, more urbanized areas around Beatty's Four Road closer to closer to town and um, then of course the uptown um, kind of high density district so let's let's just go through because Larkin and I have had the benefit of already interviewing them you haven't heard the interviews yet not. but you know the people yep. let's Larkin let's just go let's go kind of one one by one and maybe hear what Justin's kind of take is so far on um, strengths uh, maybe uh, of those folks. Is that something you want to do, Justin? <laughs> if you want to do that. I, I, I will say this. Um, you know, I, So no is the I answer. don't want to, yeah. I, I've, I've been very clear. I'm not going to put my pulse on this thing. Um, like I think some people want me to. The observers called me and said, hey, who are you endorsing for this thing? Um, folks in the caucus, in the black caucus. Uh, and I said, hey, you know what? I'm staying out. I've offered any type of support, advice to any of the candidates that have solicited from me. Um, but that's really about it. I think the voters have had multiple opportunities through various events. Um, there was one big forum um, tonight by multiple precincts on the Beatty's Four Road Corridor for people to hear candidates, and they're, they're out and about uh, making their rounds and, and their last-ditch efforts um, as the voting has started. So I'm going to let the voters decide. I think folks need to do their so research. So I can't trap you into an accidental endorsement is what you're saying. No, sir. You know, I, 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 I liked all four of them, um, and I definitely thought they all had – unique characteristics. I think we'll let the listeners decide which ones resonate with them. But from my perspective, um, I think that there were only two that probably um, just are running the type of campaign that have the type of profile um, that probably are viable paths to win this. You can trap me there. (laughs) Uh, I I do agree with that. you agree too? Yeah. I mean, I think that in all likelihood, it, it the winner will boil down to two people, but I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, we had four great conversations. Doesn't um, mean they all couldn't do well serving. Sure, perhaps. Yeah, sure. I just think pragmatically looking at them, hearing kind of what they're doing campaign wise, who they know, things like that just seems like a two horse race. But I, I think too, that um, all of the folks that we met with certainly have something, a passion for the city and something to contribute to the city. And so my hope is that, uh, for the ones that are not successful in this race and some of the other ones that where there's large fields, I hope those people will continue to stay engaged and look for ways to to work and, and help the city. And I think they will. Yeah, I think when we look at, you know, former council member, former senator Malcolm Graham, you have a guy who's really entrenched in the community, Johnson C. Smith undergrad, former employee at Johnson C. Smith and his career in public service. Um, and now he's, you know, he's, he's written a book. He's kind of on a campaign, um, you know, around gun violence due to his sister's uh, death and the circumstances around around that. And so you have someone who who knows this government center, who knows city government, he's got relationships in Raleigh, um, he's got community relationships, but you know, with a with a long tenured past comes some burning of bridges and things like that. Um, and then you have, you know, kind of a fresh face and Jessica Davis who's got a lot of community support. Um, a lot of activism um, in, in her past and again, a John C. Smith undergrad um, as well. I later learned that she has some Atlanta roots also. Um, so, Oh, God, you know, she's not going to like bring little, that up all the time like there. the last but, uh, <laughs> D2 rap, right? <laughs> but, uh, but but nonetheless, we've never had a, a, a woman. Wait, is she a rep- Falcons fan or a Panthers fan? We didn't ask that question, but now I need to know. Didn't probably should have asked that. I imagine she's probably a Panthers fan. She's been here a long time, though. Mm, she better um, be. But, you know, you, you've got someone and, you know, she, she really kind of came to light for a lot of people around saving the Excelsior Club and a lot of adv- advocacy um, on that front. But to be a, a viable female candidate who's running and we've never had a woman represent District 2 before. Um, that's been ever. A lot. Ever, ever. Really? Ever, ever. Um, and so, you know, to 
to put herself out there, and, and she's running a little bit on that, and has a lot of has a lot of um, support from a lot of the uh, you know council of elders and and um, women of influence on the corridor, especially Betty's Ford Road corridor. Though she lives in the Mountain Lion Lake community, and so uh, you know, I think when you talk about those two candidates, uh, I think you all were referencing those, uh, referencing them too. I think I think Antoinette Tony Green is a, is a is a great woman. I met her. I've had many conversations with her. Um, and she's a great, she's a teacher. Um, my, my understanding, is she's a teacher out at I think at Rocky River. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I, when I look at teams and I look at yeah money raised and teams and, and support and coalitions that have been built, um, and what you see now on the ground, who's out there canvassing, who's out there, you know, trying to rally up support and, and, and drive turnout. I definitely think that you're looking at at Malcolm at Malcolm Graham and Jessica Davis as being kind of the the front runners. And we mm-hmm. gave we gave Jeremy Area a hard time because he has a some convoluted website name. Um, and, and he's not raising money intentionally. He said he wasn't raising money. And so, but I mean, also clearly a very smart guy. Uh, we had a great conversation with him. So it was, we, we enjoyed doing it. Um, I think we've got some good options there and hopefully a group of people that will all stay engaged no matter in, in what capacity that is. Um, what's the number one issue they're going to face walking in here day one, uh, representing district two. Yeah, no doubt. I think, um, you know, what we see in the district as a whole as Charlotte continues to grow, and we see it all across the city, but particularly on the west side where land is still relatively cheap in the grand scheme, um, is this just constant development pressure pushing west of uptown. Um, so, you know, gentrification and displacement will continue to be the biggest um, issues for a long time and affordability. So our goals around housing that we already try to tackle on council, the multiple conversations we're continuously having around um, affordability and gentrification. Um, and then the next step is economic development how do we generate you know some some more interest and push to, to hiring locally to the people who who need it most in underserved communities how can we best leverage opportunity zones in these areas 80 percent of district two is in some census tract that's in an opportunity zone um, so that's going to continue to be a factor moving forward uh, as more rules are laid out by the federal government and and we start seeing actual capital investments being made in the area well dr it's been a pleasure. Hey Amen. Appreciate you. I guys. guess we're not done yet. We'll still hang out for a couple more months. A couple more months. A couple more months. Um, but uh, uh, any final piece of advice uh, for the last two weeks of campaigning uh, for these folks, or um, or for the for the one who's lucky enough to get get in the door, or maybe the other three that aren't. Any any final pieces of advice you'd give them? Sure. Well, for for the three that that. Um, you know, we'll we'll close the books on their campaign in a few weeks. Um, you know, always encourage anyone to, to be involved. If you gotten to this point, stay involved. Um, you know, just because you might lose an election doesn't necessarily mean that um, we don't need your advocacy. We certainly need more and more people fighting for all the issues that we have and the complexities that come along with those in this city. And for the the one that has the the you know fortunate uh, luck and good fortune to be elected and serve up here, um, you know, rely on your colleagues, rely on the staff ask the right questions um and you know as al austin and james mitchell told me you know ask the folks that have served there before i, I won't have as much institutional knowledge as them but uh there's, there's always definitely something we've got a lot of things a lot of projects in the pipeline a lot of public investment already happening and so you know many of that will just continue and i uh, just look forward to helping out and being a good advocate for whoever serves next yes thanks as always for being on the show and we will let you go and we will send it over to our first of the candidate interviews we'll be right back
Alright, we're here with the D2 showdown, four primary candidates for the District 2 Democratic primary on September 10th, our first one today, Jeremy Airy, welcome to R&D in the QC. Jeremy, welcome, D2 showdown, how do you feel today, sir? I'm excited, thanks for having me. Now, have you ever listened to the show before? All the time. So great. (laughs) It's been fun, Jeremy, thanks for coming. (laughs) Yes. We assume you'll be subscribing now. I've listened to two episodes. Wow. Like, since we invited you. Yeah, to yeah. I had no <laughs> idea it even existed, so way to get the word existed. out. <laughs> That's not true. Um, <laughs> all right. So, for people who don't know Jeremy Airy, tell them a little bit about your background and who you are and, and how it led up to you running for city. What kind of stuff are you into? Oh, stuff that I'm into. Well, from? I'll give a little bit. Do? So, I'm from uh, the Shandoah Valley of Virginia. Shut up. We both, he's from there, and my, my grandparents are, and parents are from there. Are you serious? Where, what, where what exactly? We'll talk about that offline. Okay. No, 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 Valley, no, beautiful this, area. This is about to, I grew up on a farm in really story. rural. Cow tipping stuff? No, I'm from Stanton, Virginia. Stanton, we'll talk Virginia? about that later. Are you familiar with Stanton? Stan, I live between Stanton and Harrisonburg in Bridgewater, Virginia. Bridge, my man. parents are from Waynesboro. Huh? No, okay, so we will talk about yeah, that later. Yeah, uh, we'll take that offline. No one on R&D in the QC land is, <laughs> probably cares much about middle so, of So, but the, your origin story, how did that impact you, being a rural, local yokel like the rest of us? You know, I wouldn't give up that upbringing, growing up on a farm, for anything. Um, but I'm glad I also got to go outside of that rural community for college um, and then later law school. Um, Where so, did you go? Uh, William and Mary for undergrad mm. in Williamsburg, Virginia, and then I'm a UGA law grad, Athens, Georgia. Um, so I've had a, I have a sort of melding of two sort of very dissimilar backgrounds. Um, now I'm a city guy, but I, I did grow up on a farm, so that that does impact my perception at times, I guess. Um, things that I'm into. Oh no, I'll do a, a quick claim to fame because I saw your Charlotte Hornet shirt. Uh, my dad, my, me too. <laughs> my dad played high school basketball with Del Curry, huh. Hornets legend Del Curry, and obviously Steph Curry's dad. If you're too young to know who Del Curry is, oh, we know who Del Curry is. Well, you guys do, but the, this is for the listeners. Um, Our listener average age is about sixty-five. Okay. <laughs> um, so tell us more. What? So what? What about you? Um, is this part of? I know you've organized yeah, what do you, the questions. What do, you do, what do you do professionally? And yeah. what led you to decide you were going to run for office? Have you always been involved in politics? Do you work in politics? So uh, for six years, I worked in Atlanta for the General Assembly of Georgia. I was one of eleven attorneys that worked for the state legislature drafting policy. That's what I did day in and day out. But we were nonpartisan, so people from either party, and I think we had one independent, would come and they would have their ideas for policies, and we would be the ones that actually talk about implementing it, what it would look like, the best paths forward, how to overcome obstacles, whether they'd be legal or practical or whatever. Um, and around the time that we were making a decision about maybe moving, because my wife finished her residency program at Emory, um, was around 2016, 2017, until so we had some issues in Washington that were bothering me more than they had in, in the past. And so I thought it was a good opportunity for me to leave that sort of um, – nonpartisan position where I couldn't take positions one way or the other, even outside of work. Um, and I thought it was a good time for someone, especially someone that looks like me, to do something a little bit more politically active. Um, and it, it turned out that my wife got a, um offer at Atrium Healthcare that was a perfect fit for her. So that's why we moved good. to Charlotte, and here we are. So you decided you wanted to get a little more into the partisan world of politics. For running for District 2, and we're going to, uh, earlier in the show, we will have, have talked with Justin Harlow about what all areas District 2 encompasses, what the needs and priorities are there. But as you see it, what would be your priorities coming on to council, both for the city as a whole, but also specifically for the District 2 area that you hope to represent? Uh, 
the city of Hope. So actually, a lot of my campaign is based on the idea that a lot of the problems that we talk about are fundamentally connected. They're related. Um, and so our solutions have to be similarly multifaceted. And I think one of the big priorities for Charlotte as a whole, and definitely for my community as well, um, is that we need to focus on smart, walkable neighborhoods. And those are basically neighborhoods that provide all the basic amenities for people right outside their doorstep. And if we do that, I think we can solve a lot of the problems that we're going to talk about. So it helps with affordable housing. It helps with our sustainability goals. It helps with public transit. It helps with health. It helps with um, economic mobility and jobs. And um, I think that's a a longer discussion if somebody is interested in in why all those things are connected and how it works. Um, We can have that discussion again offline. Um, but that comes to basically, and there's there's momentum headed this way um, with the, um, the new zoning, um, um, the development ordinance, the UDO, to be more aggressive in allowing multi-use, higher density um, development, especially in the city core. And I think that will go a long way into solving uh, a bunch of other issues. I live a little bit farther out than I think most of the other candidates in my district. So we do have some... Um, special problems because you can consider it suburbia but those same type of zoning and land use decisions can be applied into suburban areas too where you have a little bit of denser development out there where everything is self-contained and self-sufficient so you don't need to leave your neighborhood if you don't want to you've got dining there you've got healthcare there you've got parks and recreation there you may have your job right outside your door as well so i think that's a good transition into my question which is it's really important um, for the voters to understand amongst all the candidates readiness, who's ready to do the job, who's most ready on day one. So let's just start. You, you said the walkability piece is one of the top priorities for you. You mentioned a few things with the you know, UDO and other things, and you also mentioned density and the height and the importance of that kind of stuff for it. How, how would you view, like, what are the top couple things in your mind, like tactical things that a district representative will have to do and can do? that you would go about like specifically executing to make that happen more so or differently than maybe your other uh, opponents? Well, I don't want to speak for my opponents because actually I haven't heard them talk about this too much. Um, but zoning is a, that's a, it's a cumbersome task. We've already started, but I don't want to backslide. So I definitely want to give that energy um, because this is a new council seat. It, it won't be, and Dr. Harlow will not be there um, toward policies that, push the envelope a little bit farther with, with zoning. Um, so you're prepared to stand up against, cause I mean, we're in a bit of a unique position interviewing all of you candidates because we sit in those same seats and understand like the true day-to-day pain of, sure. like, you know, a, a whole neighborhood comes out and says, no, I don't want this. And sometimes they say it because they mean it and it's right. And it's the right thing. Sometimes it's just a not in my backyard, straight up. Don't want change. They always mean it. They they always mean it. The question is, is there a valid complaint or not? And sometimes there is something. Are are you the kind of candidate who's prepared to stand up regardless of how many votes you might lose and say, this is the right. He has. has. Sure. So um, I think this is, this is where the attorney mindset comes in just because they're seemingly too, different positions doesn't mean that there can't be a solution that everybody agrees on. So I think a lot of people have problems with zoning issues because it's going to change the character of their community. That happens in you know suburbia, but it also happens down here. This is an old historic community. We don't want it to change. You can form zoning uh, policies 
that retain that character. You can have things be seamless. So um, there aren't new parking decks going up and you have to retain some of that. You have to retain um, nice facades that blend in with, if you have a few single family homes, then maybe you don't have high rises, but you have a little bit higher density, but it doesn't, you know, reach up way above and maybe it's separated by trees or separated by a park. Um, and you just allow that community to have a say in what they want. And what I've seen with all these neighborhoods, and we have a ton of neighborhoods that are unique and you want to retain that character, but everybody says, I love my community. I've lived here for a long time. I want to stay in this community. It could be better. So if we listen to them and say, okay, this is what you want to make it better. We can work with you to remove these artificial barriers that are serving no purpose because they were, they're antiquated. They don't really deal with how we want to see things today. Um, if, if we do that, I think then we can come to a common sort of agreement on how our zoning process will look. Um, and do you so, have any, do you, do you, I'm sorry to cut you off. I see I know, you fidgeting fine. over here. Is it just a final <laughs> readiness question? We threw this out to the sure. candidates, random deep stuff. Um, do you have a position? Like, what do you think the better strategy is and the difference between Category A and B stormwater backlog projects versus C. <laughs> we agreed back in April that this was an absurd question. It's not absurd. I mean, I don't know the I answer. Bet you somebody's going to know it. If you if you explain what that is, I'll probably have a position. But I, I don't look deep into zoning. So right. It, it's it's an unfair question. Nobody should know that. It's so boring. <laughs> um, but it's I not guess, boring I guess to me. Self-assess yourself to end my sure. my part of this question. Scale of one to ten. One, literally, this is your first time in the government center. You've never heard of city council. Ten <laughs> is, you. I mean. You, you show up to all kinds of meetings or you watch them live stream and you literally know nuances like the difference between stormwater ratings and projects and things like that. Where would you self-assess yourself? Um, so, so I'm new to Charlotte. Um, I've been here for basically a year and a half and I've come up to speed pretty quickly, but I know, and this is successful attorneys will tell you this. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I will rely on input and information from other people. But I can become acclimated with difficult, complex policy issues really quickly. I did that every single day, serving as um, a lawyer for General Assembly of Georgia. Um, drafted thousands of bills. You know how long our legislative session is? Forty days. Hundreds uh, and hundreds. Law? Yes. Oh, wow. Hundreds and hundreds of bills. <laughs> People in our, our legislators <laughs> are pretty jealous of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. It's legislative day, so there's some some gaps in between. But that is multiple different, unique, new issues that came across my desk every single day. And I had to wrap my head around them, and I had to develop policy decisions quickly. That's not the proper way to do things. It should be done better. Yeah. But I was able to, to handle that in a, a sort of framework that doesn't Pick work really well. Figure it out, yeah. Sure. So in a, in a primary where there, there is a Republican option in, the, in November, but it's a very Democratic district, Whoever wins this primary, and it's uh, almost impossible for it to go into a runoff. So whoever wins this primary September 10th, pretty much the candidate elect or council person elect. Uh, but all of you are Democrats, the four that we'll be interviewing in this show. I imagine you largely agree on things like upward mobility, affordable housing, whatever else. If you've got a District 2 li voter listening right now and they're saying, you know, what is it about this guy, Jeremy, that I should consider him and possibly vote for him over these others? Not to say that you disparage the others, but what is there something that is unique about you uh, that should cause? Is there something to give you a that would look? surprise us? Like you actually support 287G coming back, or no. is there anything that you would you would throw out there that's or like that you think differentiates you from your competition? Right. So. I'll answer sort of both. Yeah, I think are slightly different questions. One that might surprise you is that um, I would consider myself fiscally conservative in the very traditional sense that we need to have programs that give us the most bang for our buck. 
Um, Does that mean you like support um, or you you oppose the quarter cent sales tax for the arts in that sense? Or I no? oppose the the procedure for that. We don't know where that money's going to go. So to me, that's just that's just bad accountability. Um, I, I'm talking more about that. Not the sort of I think uh, not to disparage Republicans right now. I think they've deviated okay. from right financial. Uh, uh, I'm here. It's cool. Conservatism. Our, our, our tax dollars can go farther if we invest in smart programs that actually yield the most results, do the most good for the least amount of money. That's great. Um, I, as people that are supposed to be safeguards of taxpayer money, I think that's also our job, right? And then finally, if you want the buy-in for these programs, you have to spend money wisely so that taxpayers feel that they are getting a benefit. Um, so I don't believe that we should scrap all these social programs we should just focus on the ones that do the best work and that's that's a so that's a data-driven science-driven approach not just throwing money at problems and say look we tried to address affordable housing what's the best way that we can do you guys did a great job trying to cut that you know per unit price down um that's what i'm interested in Hmm. i think compared to other candidates i'm probably a little bit more um left-leaning on issues of um, women's reproductive health um, you were at the the Cran event. No other candidate filled out the questionnaire and showed up to speak, um, and I was endorsed on that matter. Um, and then on environmental sustainability issues, I think that I'm a stronger candidate there. That that's really important to me, and was again the only candidate that both filled out the questionnaire and showed up to speak at the um, Climate Reality Project meeting. So um, those are important to me. So um, my final question to you is same one we asked the other district to show down candidates. Um, clearly. You know, the you guys in in districts like this don't need to necessarily go out like a lot of us do on the other side of the aisle and vie for endorsements of conservative leaning groups. Really, even to to a to a large extent, and Larkin and I have both been here for over a decade. Um, rarely do do folks even need to kind of express opinions of kind of, hey, for those types of folks, which there still is a large number of conservative or Republican or Republican-leaning folks in town, mm-hmm. even though the electorate doesn't, doesn't represent it, um, just take a second and just, what message would you give them who still do get to vote, sure. um, especially those independents leaning Republican in the primary that you'll, um, that you'll be um, participating in? What's your message to them? That's easy. Um, a lot of the issues that my district faces, especially toward my neighborhood, aren't even political. And they've told me that. So I've reached out to unaffiliated voters and even Republicans that are in my district and said, hey, look, um, I know you have issues with overcrowding of schools. Mount Allen Lake Academy is at 200% capacity and kids are in trailers. That's not a political issue. I know we don't necessarily deal directly with CMS, but I think that's an abdication of our responsibility to not address that issue as well. Um, They want more communication between city council and CMS. Um, we have issues. There's no park space around. That again shouldn't be a um, political issue. I think we ranked, we ranked last in all these different categories, all these different indexes. We're 97th out of 100. Um, only 25% of Charlotte residents are within a 10 minute walk to a park. I think that's unacceptable. Um, and so there are a lot of issues that Republicans and independents can really get. I can get behind some of the issues that that they feel are important. I'm not going to compromise my morals in other areas and my beliefs in other areas, but when there is a, a non-political issue, um, I'm very interested to move forward with it, and I'm always, always welcome to hear opposing thoughts. So, Well, before we wrap, tell people if they want to learn more about you uh, after they heard you on the show, what's your website, where can they find you on any kind of social media, uh, how do they learn more about Jeremy Airy, or if they want to donate? Uh, well, I don't take political 
campaign contributions yeah. at all. Um, Hear that, people? Put your money back in your wallet. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want or, your hard. Or how's give it that going to work? <laughs> I don't want your hard-earned money. I don't have yard signs because they just end up in landfills. And if you're going to be a candidate that supports sustainability, these things aren't really easily but recyclable. But how are people here are going to hear hear about you? Things He's like this. Counting on R&D and the QC. This, I'm telling you, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 18 in, days before the election. I mean, it's, are you like doing grassroots walking? Like yeah, how? I'm walking. I'm knocking on doors. Okay. People can email me at jeremyary.com. People have. You want to come? I've met people that have messaged me and went to a coffee shop and talked to them. You, I mean, you've been in po- It's not like you're like, hey, politics. Like, you clearly have a track record and a history in it. So you've made a. I don't like campaigning. I Yeah, it is a calculated that, decision, but it's not a political decision. Is this it a is winnable not, strategy? Maybe not. But if people, if I can push people one way, this is a Democratic district. And if I can maybe open up some eyes and push people in a policy direction that I think we need to go in. That's still a win for me. I don't need to win personally for me to feel like I've made a difference and made Charlotte a better place. And I plan on holding these people accountable. I haven't been here that long, but they're going to see me. Um, and unless they want somebody to, I haven't checked 538 recently on the Charlotte city council district two poll. They, I'm they not sure. I know <laughs> that was a joke. Um, <laughs> fell flat. Um, <laughs> so, <was> <laughs> Um, so that, that I, I don't feel like I need to win. This isn't an ego-driven campaign. Um, it's just trying to make Charlotte a better place. I plan to live here for 30, 40, 50 years. I want to make sure we're doing things right. I used to live in Atlanta. They did some things wrong, and we suffered for it. So I want to correct so that right now. did you plug the website? Uh, the website's kind of long. Just You don't believe in websites. Face, Facebook <laughs> me if you want. Uh, Facebook message me, jeremyarea at gmail.com. Just email me, and then I can get you to a website if you want to learn more about you me. You have a website with a URL that is not something I'm, you can I feel like we're going to need to it's Wix, have an offline conversation Wix-site. about com. Hey, I know Wix. Polit- Wix, W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com. Site. And it's like backslash. Okay, so- <laughs> put it on your uh your your website you got it on yours there you go i will send it to you (laughs) a tip for our new friend jeremy and for anyone running for office uh that that we're thinking about running for office is they build their website you can go on to like godaddy.com and buy jeremy don't give away our secrets dude and then redirect it to this complicated website so if you'd like to get in touch with jeremy just watch the second john wick movie and in the middle there will be a little uh a little uh, be a subliminal message subliminal message it'll pop up and that'll be the website prompts type we'll put it up we'll we'll put it in there i'll get it to you guys so if they're interested the the four people that are Wow. Right well, that was the oh, most it, interesting answer to that it, final question that was, that we've was, ever asked. That was a, a crack at the show. He said it to was. the four people who are listening. <laughs> I didn't even hear that. I don't well know if you know done, Jeremy sir. Harry, but uh, we, we've crossed the 40,000 download You threshold. told me. You told uh, me. No, dude, that was funny. I like, that's the probably the best part. I think, I think we, the joke you just made a minute ago. Oh. Good job. Yeah, he's forgotten already. He forgot. All right. <laughs> Thank It'll you for coming on, the website. sir. We'll uh, replay it. We appreciate you getting involved in your new city so quickly. And uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Good luck out there the next 18 days. All right. Thank you. Big L. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. showdown we are joined in the studio by Ms. jessica davis welcome to the show welcome hello 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 now we, we asked uh your one of your opponents on the d2 ballot this earlier had you ever listened to r&d in the qc before this week and have you even listened to it this week i have listened to it before this week but i have not listened to it this week that's one point okay well <laughs> one Jer- point for you. jeremy was saying <laughs> that that he listened to the show 
a couple episodes this week to prepare because he'd never even heard of it before, uh, which hurt our feelings a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, you win, though. That's the beauty of this endorsement <laughs> yeah. process. It's endorsement, right, Larkin? We're not endorsing. We are just highlighting and allowing the voters to decide for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to push your microphone a little closer just to me? you. Or okay. you closer to the microphone. Or, yeah, both. A little bit of both. A little bit? Yeah, perfect. Okay. I thought we were laid back and chilling. We, well, we well, kind of are. That's okay. the vibe, but like you <laughs> have to literally be up you by the mic. You have to hear me, so right? Yeah. Hear okay. Um, it's a laid back atmosphere, but you gotcha. can't be laid back. Can't be laid back. Okay. So gotcha. Start us off with a little bit about who Jessica Davis is, where you're from, what do you do, and how did you get to this point where you decided that you wanted to uh, put yourself out there and run for office? Absolutely. So I was born, my name is Jessica Davis, Hello. candidate for well Charlotte done. City Council District 2. First time guest. <laughs> I um, was born in Evanston, Illinois, home of Northwestern University. Um, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. So right down 85, came here to Charlotte in 1998 to attend Johnson C. Smith University. Go Bulls. Um, yeah, Golden Bulls. Um, actually, after college, I worked for the Charlotte Sting. Okay. WNBA team. Was that when Muggsy was coaching? No, this was still with Trudy you know Lacey. Muggsy the Sting? Yeah, he did for a while. No, I knew you knew. I was um, <laughs> Just let's continue with the yeah. story. It's her, it's her time to speak, Larkin. <laughs> But no, so I, my background is in professional sports, um, education, um, and taught uh, for many years in CMS, went to law school uh, six years after graduating from undergrad, went to Charlotte School of Law in its heyday. Um, <laughs> mm. I always have to make sure I tell people that because um, are we Perfect. still, okay, yeah. um, I, you know, there's a lot of um, negative uh, connotation that comes to Charlotte School of Law. But when I was there, I was one of 27 students in the class in comparison to, you know, the two and 300 people um, that later came down the, lo- the line. But um, after law school, really figured that my calling was in education. I had gotten into education when I was in law school teaching kids about the law. Um, and so that's how I transitioned into CMS, teaching seventh grade world history, mm. the middle kids of middle school. It's a rough, it's a rough time um, for young people. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. But, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of what was happening in the community in my classroom. And so that's when I Where'd was like- Where'd you say you taught? Ridge Road Middle School. Okay. Yeah, up in Highland Creek. And a lot of people thought, oh, it's Highland Creek. You've got it made. Those mm-hmm. kids come from affluent families. And not so much. We had a lot of kids that were bussed in um, from different areas of um, the university area, some District 2, some District 4. Um, and so I saw a lot in the classroom and um, found out I was pregnant with my child, my, my son, uh, first year in the classroom. And- um, had some complications with giving birth due to my passion for the kids and stressing me out. Mm. Um, And so delivered him 11 weeks early um, during a time when, um, you know, police shootings and police involved shootings here in Charlotte uh, were taking place. Um, So, you know, that kind of set the stage for me as far as politics goes, because understanding what's happening in the community, having my own family, um, and then having my legal background so I can understand how policies work and kind of foresee what's going to happen if you do this policy this way. That's what got me into politics. That and Carlinia Ivory. (laughs) Shout out to Ms. Ivory. I don't think she listens to the podcast, but I love her dearly. She will. So You're up, dude. I am up. So what would be, as you look at the city as a whole – what do you see as the priorities for this uh, upcoming council term? But then also, specifically in District 2, what are you, mm-hmm. unique issues do you see in District 2 uh, that you would want to address if you were to be elected? Well, I think for the council as a whole, I mean, I'm sure you guys are tired of talking about it, but, you know, the fear that is associated with the RNC coming into the city. 
um, you know, that is that is a concern. That's a priority, making sure we've got everything in place to ensure the safety and the constitutional rights of everyone in the city of Charlotte during that time. But also making sure that our neighbors that are here have a safe place to live. They have affordable housing. Um, and when we say affordable housing, I mean, an affordable house is a house that the person can afford. A lot of people here are working in Charlotte and they can't afford to live here. So we want to make sure that the policies we're putting in place allow people the opportunity to stay in Charlotte, um, but also the opportunity for home ownership. I think that goes into financial literacy, but also you don't know what you don't know. Um, so getting into the community, educating people, um, pushing home ownership more so than renting, because that is, um, you know, that's a fluctuating thing. And um looking at District 2 and the way developments are coming in um, and the prices of homes are going up, um, not just in the Biddleville, Wesley Heights, Seversville area, but also coming back down the corridor going, um, you know, Macquarie Heights, Washington Heights is kind of on the list, um, your Dale, Brook, Lincoln Heights community. So making sure that the people that are in District 2 are prepared, that we have policies in place to help them should they want to stay in their homes, um, but also job opportunities. There are a lot of people that are just out on the street every day on the corner of Beatty's Ford and LaSalle. Um, there are some mental health issues going on. Um, so making sure we've got programs, policies, opportunities in place for the people in District 2 that can then trickle to the rest of the city of Charlotte. So um, my question is always around, this next one is around readiness and mm -hmm. um, the readiness of the candidates, even when compared to each other, uh, who can hit the ground running the fastest on day one. Right. You mentioned a lot of very important topics just now. Um, rate us your, your, your own self-assessment. One, never seen or heard of it. Ten, there's not a single question you can't answer. Um, and then and then pick one area that you think is your strongest area. So I would rate myself an eight because even though I, I know I don't know everything and I'm not going to have the answers to everything on day one. And I don't think anybody can say that. Right. Just Larkin. Um, He's the only one that has said that. <laughs> but I mean, regardless I of regardless of if you've been here before, you haven't been here right, right now in this moment. And so I would rate myself an eight. And as far as what. um what I see myself being ready for on day one, it's my community connections. It's talking to the people that are on the ground that have their issues and concerns that say, hey, this is what we need. Um, being able to work with organizations and community folks, um, as well as government officials. Um, I've got a lot of friends that are judges, um, but I also have a lot of friends that work in city planning um, and city government. So it's making sure I've got the right people um, around me um, expressing their concerns. But at the end of the day, I'm my own person. Um, I have no fear of going against the grain. I think that's the mom intuition in me, um, regardless of what you may want or think that you need. If it's not the best for everyone, then it's not going to happen. But when it was more angle where I was going with the was was kind of the, the major buckets of topics, mm -hmm. be it like, you know, Charlotte water and stormwater or zoning or the budget or okay. affordable housing like what where would you say your kind of your of that eight self-assessment your strongest area is my strongest area would be in community safety oh okay it would be in community safety working with the police department working with our neighborhood associations the people that are there that are impacted by the crime right um working with them to to figure this out i mean it's not we're beyond the point of debating the second amendment we're beyond that. People have guns. They have them legally. They have them illegally. But if we want to stop crime and, and save our kids from dying, save our family members from dying, we've got to have an honest conversation about what we are doing in the community to hold each other accountable. 
And so that's my strongest point, um, bringing people to the table, getting some actionable items um, listed so that we can start to begin the process of healing our community. Because we're, I mean, people are hurting. People are hurting from all, and it's not just a District 2 thing. This is all over the city. And so bringing folks together to make sure we, we restore the, the sense of community and the, 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 the safety that we had in our neighborhoods once upon a time. We've been talking a lot lately about how part of that, I'll say, reform that we need is not, if, if we want to make, put CMPD in a position to be successful, we also have to be looking at reform in the judicial system, uh, which I know you have firsthand knowledge of. So mm-hmm. um, that, I think, is a, a big priority we've set as part of a larger community safety vision yeah. um, for the city. So would would be interested to have that conversation with you down the road, yeah. too. Um you're in a primary. There's four of you. Uh, we'll hopefully be interviewing all four for this episode. There is a Republican in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, not a district that a, a Republican statistically has much likelihood of winning. So this is probably going to decide the district two representative. You're all four in this primary Democrats. You all four likely agree on most things around community safety on affordable housing, whatever else. What would you say is something that differentiates you from, um, and, and we frame this as we want this to be a positive about you, not a, a negative about an opponent, <clears throat> but what do you think separates you or differentiates you from the other Democrats people will see on the ballot on September 10th? What separates me is my work ethic and the connections that I actually have in the community, like positive connections in the community, people that will say, yeah, Jessica did this. Yes, when you call Jessica, she will get this done or she'll put you in contact with the person that can help you. Um, but also my ability to take relationships my understanding of the law, the way policies work, and the impact that they have on people, not just adults, not just seniors, kids, but everybody. Um, my ability to put it all together, get that bigger picture. Um, I don't have any ties to developers. I haven't built any buildings in this city. Um, but what I do understand is the importance of the impact of development on communities. I understand why some of our neighbors don't want multifamily units in their neighborhoods because they're afraid of what that transportation piece is going to look like or what it's going to do for the schools in their community. Um, I understand that we don't operate in silos. I can no longer I, – I am not the type of person that's going to say – oh, that's a county commission issue. Oh, that's a board of education issue. Because if the board of education is having trouble in their schools, then that'll trickle out into the community. If people don't have a place to go to an outlet in a park um, or a recreation center, that's going to trickle back into our community. And then it does become a city council issue. So having the ability to put it all together, um, work for the people, listen to the people, um, but get it done for the city. Along those same lines, before we move on, what what is what is sick the first six months of a Jessica term look like? Mm. First six months looks like me meeting a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also yeah. getting into the community, um, surveying and evaluating, especially the transportation piece, the accessibility piece in District Two. There are a number of areas that are not accessible for a person with a disability, and so we need to make sure that all of our neighbors have access as part of the. My nine to five is making sure that people with disabilities have access to our court system, right? So I want to make sure that people in our community have access to our community, but also making sure that when we have big box retailers or grocery chains in the in the district, they're making sure they're they're giving back to the community. They're providing quality food um, and produce to our neighbors because that's an issue right now. Um, so 
like I said, it's a lot of meetings, but it's also some surveying. Um, and then it's looking at the policies that we have in place. Also looking at some ways to help with some code enforcement issues that may be coming into play but here in 2020. maybe with your colleagues. Mm-hmm. What, how, what is your approach for entering and working with 11 other colleagues? Working with y'all? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. We'll see. Um, but Developing those relationships. I mean, relationships matter. So working with you all, figuring out what are the priorities in your districts? How can we make that a priority for all of Charlotte, right? Because, yes, there are seven districts um, that have their own little nuances and things that they want to see done, right? But at the end of the day, you still need those other votes on that dais in order to get it done. So we need to make sure that our our priorities are in line regardless of the R or the D, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about the charlatans. So developing those relationships, figuring out what our plan is to move this city forward for everyone. So going back to the R or the D question, which is a good transition, <laughs> um, clearly in, in almost almost all the districts uh, and the citywide, um, the Republican voice is not necessarily a material one <laughs> in deciding a lot of elections anymore, but there's still a lot, a right. lot of us still here, right? Right. Um, what would be kind of the, you know, this being almost one of the single times where you get asked this question on the campaign trail, what's your message to those folks? And even those independents who may lean a little more Republican who would be voting in a primary, what's your message to them? Give me a chance. Um, sorry. Give me a chance. Um, I am on a Democratic ticket, but I'm working for the people. I'm working for the people. And I think we... Everybody has an affiliation, right? Like, what set are you claiming? But we have to, we have to get past that. Like, seriously, we've got to get past the R or the D. We've got to make sure that we are providing for everyone in the community, regardless of affiliation. There should be no reason why if I walk up to you and say, hey, I want to make sure the kids at Johnson C. Smith can go and get a fresh peach. There should be no reason why you're asking me, well, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Because I hear that, right? Mm. That's a problem. The kid needs a peach. He needs some fresh produce. What what my affiliation is should not be a concern. It should be, what are you doing for the people of this city? And we get so bogged down in policy and party affiliations that we lose sight of the bigger picture, and that's the community and the people. People are losing faith in democracy. They're not losing faith in Republicans or Democrats. They're losing faith in the entire governmental process. I think they're losing faith in Republicans and Democrats. I mean, right, but, but I mean, it's the, it's <laughs> yeah. the broader process that people are losing faith in and so we've got to move past that so for my republican friends and i've got family members that are republicans as well black republicans in chicago um (laughs) you know just just give me a chance listen to me hear me out get past the the d that's next to my name um and just listen nice very good all right wrap it up with how can people find you if they want to contribute if they want to learn more about your policy positions Mm -hmm. if they want to get involved with the campaign where do they find you on social media? What's your website? Okay, well, first of all, you can find me in the street. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> we're no. gonna have to explain. I think we're going we're gonna to have to explain the rep your set. The rep your set. Have our listeners. Which there. set will we find you typically with in the streets? That is my follow-up question. <laughs> I like it, man. But but no, um, you can find me on Facebook, um, Jessica Davis for District Two. Um, email is also Jessica Davis for District Two, and that's F O R. Sorry, I didn't follow your advice, Larkin, and buy all the domains. But that's F O R. F O R District Two at gmail.com. Instagram is also Jessica Davis for District Two. Um, you can call me. 
980-224-0335. I know I gave out my Strong. phone number, right? I've done it. Um, I've done it. But um, crazy you, out there. <laughs> hey, you can call me. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, just contact me. Reach out to me via Facebook, um, Instagram, email. Um, I do home visits. I want to meet people in the city. Um, had a home visit on Tuesday. So I have no problem with getting out and meeting people. Or you can just find her on the block. You can find me on the block. You find me on the Ford. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to explain that to people too. Yes. That's Beatty's Ford for Beatty's all of Ford our white Road. listeners. Oh, okay, go ahead. You know, Trade Street turns <laughs> into <dark>. Beatty's Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's not a big well, Pakistani American uh, set out there that I hang. No, with. I'm he's, sorry. If you find one, he's looking for a set. I am. You, you look for a set. Okay. More of like a dance crew than a set. Is that there? Are there still dance crews like battle dancing? Yeah, but I think they're like uh, from the '80s and now they're like 60 years old and. <sighs> I mean, most high schools. No, though, no, you know, I'm talking like those. like stomp like the yard the type. Oh, stomp the yard. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a little lame. Stomp the yard. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that one later. All right. Um, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Best we'll be looking forward to the bit, whatever big news is coming out in the next steps, man. <laughs> that's an inside joke that um, I'm not going to explain. Yes. But, not uh, going to explain. 18 days to go. Keep up the Woo! good work. Yes. Keep on the grind. And best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Four interviews for District 2 Democratic Primary. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Welcome, welcome. Now, have you ever listened to R&D in the QC before? I've heard it only twice. Okay. Sorry, well, I'm being honest. Right. Does it come on like usually past your bedtime? Well, you, I'm a teacher, so my bedtime's very early. That's right. That's right. <laughs> also not how podcasts work. You can listen to a podcast I know, I'm being funny. <laughs> Stop it. All right, so tell us a little bit about, I'm just going to call you Tony from here on out, but okay. on the ballot people will see you as Antoinette. And then uh, parentheses, Tony Green. Right. Tell us a little bit about Tony Green, uh, your background, where you're from, what led you to this point where you've decided to put yourself forward as a candidate for Charlotte City Council. Okay, absolutely. I actually grew up here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was back on the black top of Ashley Park, like some a lot of other people here. So I definitely wanted to take the opportunity to give back to my city. Uh, when I went to college, as I mentioned to you all before we started taping, I started as a mass comm major and switched to political science. I really wanted to get involved in the process. I went uh, and helped on the Barack Obama's campaign, registered over 500 voters myself, helped lead a march to the polls with Salem College and went to some state. We had the drum line involved. I was a banner girl in the front. And we just really wanted to get people excited about it. Unfortunately, I had an issue with a mentor I looked up to um, doing some inappropriate things. So it made me kind of pull back from politics just because I was young and that whole situation, I'm trying not to get emotional. But it kind of made me step away from it. And then, unfortunately, I had a battle with cancer as well. So that took some time to deal with. But at that point, I walked off a corporate job and said, I'm not doing enough with my life. If God spared me, he did it for a reason. So I need to be doing more. So I worked my way up. I started as a part-time um as a permanent sub with CMS five years ago. Now I've been in every position with CMS. And this is actually my second year at Rocky River High School teaching history. And I work part time. Um, seniors. Okay. They're seniors. So the first assignment, getting them registered to vote. <laughs> and uh, I do part time work at a recreation center doing program for programming for inner city youth that come in. Very cool. 
So what are the things that, as you look at, if you were to join the Charlotte City Council in this next two-year term, what would you see as the priorities that we would need to focus on uh, first and foremost for the entire city? And then what are the things you see specifically in District 2 uh, that you would want to address as the representative for that area? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think what we need in District 2 is almost everywhere in the city because now with the crime rate going up the the death toll is going up the murder rate so public safety which is one of the things on my platform is affecting everywhere now it's not just in certain neighborhoods crime has no address um affordable housing is something i know everybody talks about it and that's something that we have to address but also i want us to work together and have more oversight over okay if these people are getting breaks because or low income tax credit or anything like that these developers there should be more oversight over who gets in because if you need affordable housing chances are your credit probably isn't that great or you might have had an eviction on your credit before that might have been a long time ago but that doesn't mean that you haven't changed or not in a better situation than what you were. It still may not be the best. And I think that leads to public safety issues. That's why they're both on my platform. When people don't see hope or they're not encouraged, they don't see a way to get out of their situation. That's when they resort to crime and desperation. So um, one of the questions we like to ask everyone when we do this is uh, readiness. How ready are you uh, individually and then in comparison to your um, to your competitors out there who um, are going to be taking a seat where you're going to have to hit the ground running. Absolutely. So let me start with a self-assessment. One to ten. One is you never heard of city council. You've never <laughs> been in this building. Ten is literally there isn't a topic that we couldn't bring up that you wouldn't have the context around and, and understand kind of the background. Where, where would you put yourself? To be honest, I would say about a seven. And that's just being honest. I don't know that anybody is 100% ready and out of 10 because nobody knows the answer to every question. We live in a huge district. People usually focus on Beatty's Four Road and that type of thing. But our district is huge. We've got to Coolwood up by North Lake. I live in Dorida. And that area is often not really talked about. we got a lot of transportation things going on over there, empty buildings. There's a lot of different things that are going on in our district. So there's still a lot to learn. I'm not perfect, but I grew up in this city. I'm the only one that did um, that's running in my race. And this is my opportunity to serve and give back. And I'm willing to do that. What's your strongest area of, of topics that we deal with? Uh, strongest area. Housing, uh, public safety, budget, um, stormwater, water. Math isn't my subject, so we'll stay away from uh, budget. I mean, I know it's a part of the job. I understand that. I took public policy, all that good stuff when I was in school. But I think public safety, for me, that's a passion of mine. I think we can do more as a whole. And I think that people have the misconception that people on city council are going to make all the decisions that they can do it alone, and they can't. They need those grassroots organizations and people really getting a sense of community. Back in the day, we all knew our neighbors names now i'm guilty of it myself the person lives to the left of me i can't even tell you his first name and it shouldn't be that way all right surprise curveball question you said oh, you live right. in derida best place to eat breakfast in the derida neighborhood maria's grill you're absolutely right <laughs> i love that place. i was there two weeks ago well we'll have to meet up there sometime thanks for but the hard-hitting questions <laughs> well i don't know have you ever been to derida and sure. it's affordable it's affordable it's let me very throw it in affordable. there um, the breakfast we're still talking about, yes. right? Yes, okay. I eat the breakfast. Um, there. But also, uh, one of the most unheralded bars in the city, Puckett's Farm Equipment. 
That's a bar, that is, like a bar yes. for, for alcohol there? drinks? I don't drink. Okay, no. well. Um, <laughs> Do you buy farm equipment? No. It's like a, I'll take you there sometime. Okay. It's, it's like I'm a dive, it's a dive bar, like beer and live music. That's right. Um, I think maybe it used to like be. You Jeff's, know what I'm talking about. It's like right like across an, the I know what you're talking about. Like an old school Jeff's bucket shop? Kind of, but much bigger. I, I don't drink, but there is another bar and grill over there. It's very popular, 5400. I've heard you of that. Check them out. Okay, yeah. Puckett's is, Puckett's is kind of a little bit... Um, little bit country yeah i know so, a little country i okay. can get in there <laughs> all right so as you look at this race we know that in this democratic primary is a very democratic district yes. um likely whoever wins this primary will will advance in the general election become the representative for district two you and your uh democratic opponents probably largely agree on things like affordable housing public safety some of those other uh things that most of us as democrats tend to agree on what would you say differentiates you if so, if a Democrat or a left-leaning independent is headed out on September 10th and they're saying, why should I consider Tony Green instead of these other three options? What would you say sets you apart from your competitors? And we want this to be more a positive Person. about you, not a, not a negative about an opponent. But how are you different from them? Absolutely. Well, I would definitely let me start by saying not saying anything negative about my opponents. District 2, we've run a very clean race. Nobody's bashing anybody. Malcolm Graham has even given me advice. He, he stole a voter right in front of me. He told, I said, why would you do that? <laughs> That's and not said, advice. No, That's them. <laughs> but it was funny. But he told me, he said, rule number one, always ask people for their support. You know, when you're new to something and you're up and coming, you're not thinking about, you're so nervous every time you're talking to somebody. And he gave me great advice. It would have probably been better to get that advice from him. <laughs> Ahead of, <laughs> that, ahead of the steal. I'm going to talk to him about that. He's like, he I'm, was so kind. At the end of the day. After he took my voter. I think for me, what stands that makes me stand apart from everybody, if you look at my district as a whole, there's so many people that have lost hope and they've lost faith. And I've been there. I've lost everything. When you have had to fight for your life, you know what it means to hit rock bottom. And I think we need people on city council that others can relate to. If I'm sorry, but if you've never had to choose between getting gas and groceries and that's all the money you have, you can't represent me. That's just a personal opinion. So um, we also ask this question uh, to okay. everyone, um, which is, you know, in, in the city like Charlotte, it's yes. rare for um, for on the campaign trail for anyone in, in the majority party uh, to go out and, and kind of woo a Republican or a more conservative um, uh, endorsement or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So we, I, we, here we ask the one question that really doesn't ever get asked. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. Um, mm -hmm. While there aren't a lot of them elected anymore, uh, there mm -hmm. are many that lean Republican that Absolutely. are independents that can also vote in your primary. What's your, what's your message to them? What's your message to all of the, the Republicans and more right conservative leaning folks in town? Well, I would encourage them to, first of all, still vote regardless, even when it comes down to the actual election, still vote, even if you don't think you have a chance of winning, because there's work to be done. It really doesn't matter what party you identify with. Of course, I want Democrats to vote for me, but there's work to be done. And at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't matter. Our Republican opponent, we actually met each other. We have a picture together on Facebook. We've had like conversation and we both agreed, hey, there is work to be done. Whether you get it or I get it, I'm going to support you. Um, we took a picture together. It's on my Facebook page. So uh, I would just encourage them to support, just get to know the candidates for who they are. Um, this is the first interview where people actually are asking me about myself. Everyone asks about policies or this or that. 
but they haven't taken the time to get to know me, and that's yeah. unfortunate. Well, that's one of the. I'm glad you said that because I think that's one of the unique things we try to do with this, which is, uh, in in a small way, get. Uh, introduce people to the person that's why we ask you to tell your background story and that's like what that. it should so be about you definitely need to need to know more about that well nobody up here is is a robot you don't just say well you're a democrat so you're gonna vote <laughs> this way on everything exactly. and you're a republican so you're gonna vote this mm-hmm. way on everything and and there's you got to have the ability to create those interpersonal relationships Absolutely. and work effectively as a group because none of us can come in here and just jam something through if we don't have the buy-in of at least a majority of our colleagues Absolutely. so I think people oftentimes discount how much that personality component can play into whether Absolutely. someone's effective or not because mm-hmm. it's you don't just you know sit in a room and cast votes you have to work with Together. people mm-hmm. so as we wrap up tell people how they can find out more about tony green if they like what they heard on this interview and they want to check out your website or your social media or get involved with your campaign uh, how do they plug in with you you can check out my website it's www dot vote antoinette green dot org again that green that's with an e? no e on the end green just okay. like the color and dot org and you can sign up to volunteer on there or find out a little bit more about me even some pictures from the past when i was marching to the polls and doing those different things and just get to know me as a person and i would love your support so please check me out facebook instagram any of that stuff i do have instagram vote green 2019 is my instagram hashtag and Elect Antoinette Green for City Council District 2. I like how you just uh, displayed that you learned your lesson given to you by Malcolm. You asked for the votes just now. You That's know, right. I'm learning. I need look, to vote. I, I look. before him. Learn the lesson. That's I'm the- not a chess master, but I'm a very quick study. All right. And for anybody who wants to, to check out any of the District 2 candidates' Facebook pages on our R&D and the QC Facebook page, we have tagged the three of the four candidates who do have campaign pages on Facebook. You can find them there. But we greatly appreciate you coming on. Best of luck over the next 18 days. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. And hopefully I can come back even after all this is over. Anytime. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Welcome back to R&D and the QC. We are here with our fourth and final candidate from the District 2 Democratic Primary, Senator Malcolm Graham. Welcome to the show, sir. It's an honor and a pleasure to be back here on the 15th floor of the Government Center with you two guys. Now, Senator Graham uh, is also a former Charlotte City Council member, and he commented as he walked down the hall to Tarek's office that uh, not much has changed, which was my – that's what I assumed, but he's confirmed that there's been no love put into this hallway Mm -hmm. When were you here last? When were you physically here? 1999 through 2005, believe it or not. So uh, the size of the office are still the same. Yes. (laughs) Yes, and getting smaller, I think. Uh, Yeah. Um, So as we've done with with your uh, colleagues on the ballot, which we are now just 15 days away, this episode will come out tonight. Uh, So two weeks from tomorrow, everyone will have a chance to get out there and vote uh, in this primary. As we've done with everyone else, we want to start off by giving you a chance just to give a quick little – um, maybe one or two minute summary of who you are, what your background is, and what led you to the point where you are now in 2019 uh, running to come back to Charlotte City Council. Well, again, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, came to Charlotte on a tennis scholarship at Johnson C. Smith University. Uh, met my wife, Kim, there. Married 31 years. Uh, two daughters, uh, Courtney and Nicole. Majored in political science, public administration. Uh, so I always had a love for uh, policy uh, and public affairs. 
uh, managed a nonprofit organization right out of college, uh, which led me to really being involved in the community. Um, ran for city council before uh, in 95. How old were you? Uh, 30-something. <laughs> Got my butt beat. Mm. Uh, oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I lost my first race. Um, lost to Nassif Majid. Yeah, now uh, state uh, house representative. Yeah, and I came back four years later, and I ran against an eight-term incumbent by the name of Nassif Majid, uh, and I whipped his the, butt. The rematch. The rematch. Uh, that was rematch number two, and then after my first term, he ran against me, so it was number three. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, bad like a, blood there. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like a like boxing a, yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we knocked them out with about 74% of the vote on the third time around. You guys cool now? We're so, very cool. Okay. Uh, I was like, uh, no, I, I don't think so. But yeah, <laughs> he, I guess so. He, he, he taught me how to campaign. Uh, really? At first, he, he certainly did because I learned a lot of lessons when I ran against him before and lost. There's no better way to, uh, to, to learn than from your mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I've always been involved in public policy, obviously served for six years on the Charlotte City Council, uh, 10 years as a member of the North Carolina State Senate, uh, two years as the chairman of the Mecklenburg uh, delegation. Um, so the obvious question is, why are you coming back? Uh, I watch the news every night. Uh, we'll ask the questions here. So why are you coming back? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, because I watch the news every night. And I was um, heartbroken when I heard about uh, Mrs. Crank, who lost her life on North Triangle Street, uh, as two guys who thought it was a great idea to have a shootout uh, at 5 o'clock. Uh, I was uh, heartbroken about the young lady on Bayesford Road, who lost her life on the corner of Bayesford and LaSalle Street in the carjacking. I'm heartbreaking that there's over 73 murders in Charlotte, um, 58 total for last year, the majority of which are, are homicide uh, and gun-related. Um, I'm heartbroken that the CIAA tournament has left, and um, I and others spent a number of years uh, trying to lure that um, tournament to town. Uh, and um, we lost the tournament, despite I believing the council had having the answers to the test uh, and, and still flunked. And as a constellation prize, we're getting the RNC. <sighs> um, that, that was disappointing to me. Uh, I'm disappointed at the fact that residents along the West Trade Street base for a quarter are feeling uh, the pain of gentrification and that they're being squeezed out of their neighborhoods and their homes. Uh, I think we can do better in terms of uh, making sure that residents are part of the solution and not victims of growth and development. So I want to come back and address those issues. The council, uh, no um, disrespect to do my two co-hosts, has a 29% approval rating. I know the job is hard. Uh, I know that a lot goes into that, um, but uh, we, we can do a lot better than that. What do that. you think goes into that? That twenty nine percent. I mean, I, I first of all, I'd be surprised like if twenty nine percent. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think it's like Congress, where you hate the body and you love your representative. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, anyone yeah, even knows we exist well, over twenty nine percent. What was y'all's approval rating in the North Carolina Senate? Well, mine was pretty hot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like you no said, no one's polling individual Senate. Well, well, well. But but the, the point is, the point is, uh, and like I said, no disrespect to you two gentlemen is that we got to have some steady, um, proven leadership on the board to guide us through. I think is a very difficult time for our community we are really 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 experiencing growing pain and we need i believe from that district and the council as a whole some steady leadership and i think i, I can provide that so you've wandered into the first question a bit which it, you kind of talked a little bit about what you see as the priorities for the city as a whole uh, you did touch on a couple district specific incidents that you'd seen that, that might have motivated you back um, but what would you tell the district two listeners and viewers 
right now as far as what you see? You talked about the bigger picture. What do you see at the ground level in District 2 as the top things that need to be worked on if you're back? Uh, if I come back to, to, to the Charlotte City Council representing District 2, I'm going to finish what I started along West Trey Street, Bates Fort Road. Uh, I was the special assistant to the president for uh, community engagement and government affairs at Johnson C. Smith, and I led the Mosaic Village Project, the Passing Through Light Project, which is the art project underneath the I-77 bridge. I did the um, the um, Performing Arts Center teaching facility, which was the old Griffin Tire Company. Uh, I w- that was my project. I worked with then Mayor uh, Anthony Fox to go to D.C. to uh, uh, lobby for the streetcar funding, uh, which is being built right now. So I want to finish that project. I want to bring that growth and development down uh, the corridor. I want to kind of put a flag in the ground, the corner of uh, Bates Fort Road and LaSalle Street and start what I call a urban renewal project right there, stretching from that intersection uh, to Uptown Charlotte, which would be to the Excelsior's Club and to the other way going towards Friendship Baptist Church, which is the commercial uh, district of the corridor. And I think the district representative has to know that the district is bigger than just West Trade Street, right? And so there are a lot of issues in Mountain Island Lake and Cool and other parts of the district that they are dying for representation because they believe previous council members spent so much time talking about West Trade Street and Takasiji and Freedom that they didn't spend a lot of time um, talking about the district as a whole. So I want to bring a very diverse district together and making sure that our residents uh, speak with one voice for the issues that impact them. Quick side note, because I've been asked this a couple times, when you were on council previously, you represented District 4, <laughs> but you've actually stayed in the same house and the lines just changed and you got drawn into District 2. Is that correct? That is very correct. I didn't go down to the Board of Election and change my driver's license and or change my address to get in the race. Uh, I've lived in that house for some 26 years, and so I'm a legitimate District 2 resident. Uh, the lines changed. I didn't. Um, and so uh, it, maybe you should ask some other candidates in District 2 about their residency. Mm. Oh, Interesting. Shots fired. shots fired, shots fired. So my next question for everyone has been the same, but I, I think I got to tweak it for you because it's how, how what is your level of readiness for coming on the council? I mean, uh, I think that you probably could sit here and tell us um, with, with some exceptions that of things you haven't been involved in over the last decade. Uh, but things we don't even know about the legacy and history in which they've come. So it's you're free. Feel free to address that. But I think a more relevant question to you is in the readiness that you do bring to the table, six years of experience. Um, you mentioned that uh, one of the things is more steady, kind of proven leadership and um, and, you know, the approval rating and the things on that front. Maybe a more relevant question to you is given your re- level of readiness What's different? Like what when you come up, what would have been different over the last two years with you being part of this body or in the next two years if we kept on the same path? Well, one thing that's very different is your office. We never had this much technology in the building, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's just a, a personal thing right here. Yeah, right? Yeah, well, it's still Malcolm pretty, uh, didn't host a podcast. He recorded an eight-track every night. There, there was no podcast. What, what, is, what is a podcast? Welcome to Malcolm Graham's eight, weekly eight-track. <laughs> the city has grown tremendously, right? I mean, 90 people every day are moving to the city of Charlotte. Um, when I was in uh, on council, uh, the mayor, uh, the chamber of commerce, the corporate leaders really kind of ran the city. Now the city is different because the corporate leaders are now in San Francisco and Boston, and and so the mayor and the council really has a a, a responsibility uh, to lead the city. Whereas before, the corporate community and the chamber kind of took that type of leadership. Mayor McCory 
basically had to drive the car and don't wreck it. Um, the corporate community kind of served as his GPS. Um, Pam Seifert kind of ran the city. Uh, now the mayor and the council is running the city. There is no GPS. And so there's a greater responsibility on the mayor and the council to provide leadership in areas that we didn't do back in 1999 through 2005. The growth of the city, um, there is no more annexation. We annexed the death out of people. That's how we got revenues into the city. Now there's a lot of infill development, which is, again, um, um, bringing forward gentrification throughout the areas uh, before people weren't moving to Noda and Villa Heights and Belmont and Wesley Heights. Now people are, those are desired neighborhoods. And so the edge cities, um, South End, there was, you know, there was no South End. There was South End and old buildings. Now there's South End, uh, which is a major economic hub for the community. University City has was just an infant. Ballantyne was just an infant. Now these are major uh, economic and community centers for the community. So the community has grown up a lot. Uh, and, um, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, what has not changed, I believe, is that we have paid so much attention to growing the city up and trying to attract visitors to the city that we really hadn't paid enough attention to people, neighborhoods, and communities, the people that actually live and work in Charlotte and call Charlotte home. And if elected, certainly I'm going to support um, um, moving our city, our community forward. Um, but I want to pay close attention to people who actually live here, work here, uh, and protect their neighborhoods and their communities. So you are in a primary with four Democrats. There is a Republican on the ballot in November um, in that district. That's not uh, high, there's not a high likelihood that that will be a competitive race in November. So whoever's elected in September uh, will likely go on to be the council representative. On a lot of issues, you and your opponents in the primary probably agree affordable housing, community mm -hmm. safety, upward mobility. Mm -hmm. But what would you say amongst your Democratic competitors, what would you say is something that maybe sets you apart on a policy position that you've taken or would take um, or on an issue that you think you've prioritized, maybe they haven't or vice versa? Well, my opponents are aspirational, uh, and, and I think that's a good thing. I'm aspirational too, but I get things done. Um, there hasn't been a major public policy position in this community that my fingerprints are not on, whether it's trying to save the Charlotte Douglas International Airport, whether it's trying to build the arena in uptown Charlotte, whether it's uh, working to bring the DNC to Charlotte, whether it's working to bring transit. Transit was in just a concept of when I was on council uh, before, and we dreamed about running transit on the campus of, of UNC Charlotte. Now that's a reality. Uh, I can point to things all over this community that I've been actively involved in. My reputation uh, is a uh, is a bridge builder. I work across the aisles. Uh, to, I, I want six votes for things that are important to me. I don't care where they come from. One thing that's changed since 1999 is you don't have to work across the aisle to get six votes anymore. Yeah, we're right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. But it does tee up the next question. Well, I mean, yeah, that is the question, right? Which is, in this town, I'm sure, I mean, what was the what was the mix when you were there in 99? Probably 6'5". Uh, it, it was probably 6'5". So you were in the minority as a Democrat. No. We, we were in the minority maybe one term, but for the, for the for, no, I don't think we were ever six, in the five minority. 6'5", Democrat. 6'5", yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. And with okay. the, with a, a mayor that was a Republican mayor, and so, yeah, you I know. I mean, can, yeah, people, our viewers today, who have been paying attention to me for the last five, ten years, the tops, that is something that is hard to fathom around here. And I, I guess the question here that we ask, and this is really one of the only places in the entire campaign trail that's asked this, um, you know, you don't really need 
Republicans to be elected in most of the seats today. But there's still a large um, uh, count of them and even independents who lean maybe Republican who will be voting in the, in the primary um, who need their voice heard as well, but maybe don't have elect, uh, elected officials. What's your message to them? What's your pitch to them as it relates to, hey, you know, th- this is who I am and this is why uh, your vote uh, it would be well housed with me. This is local government, right? So everybody needs to turn off CNN, turn off Fox, turn off MSNBC uh, and watch the local news. There is not a Republican way or a Democratic way to pick up the garbage. We need to pick up the garbage. There's not a Republican way or a Democratic way to to spur economic development. Conceptually, we may come at it differently, but the goal is to um, create an environment where we can um, bring jobs to our community um, that will have people paying good, good wages to support their family. There's not a Republican way or a Democratic way to um, <clears throat> provide transportation options for our community. We just need to provide options for our community. So the point I'm trying to make is that uh, local government is local government. Uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, if we can put our partisan hats and leave it in the car uh, or in the garage and just focus on the issues at hand, I think whether you're a D or R, R, um, you just want good government. And if I'm elected to the Charlotte City Council, as I said earlier, I just want six votes maybe you know yours as well <laughs> you're one uh, and uh, to get things done and there's not a republican position i think sometimes at the local level we make things more partisan than they really are because yes. we watch the national news and feel that we have to engage in the fight can't disagree there part of the purpose of the podcast was actually to try to to break that down a little yeah. bit and point out to people that yeah. especially at a local i got level, more done be, i got yeah. more done with pat mumford and john lassler when i was on city council than I ever got down with Patrick Cannon and some other members. It's simply because, you know, we both wanted to, John and, and Mumford and other Democrats wanted to, wanted the same things. We wanted to revitalize Belmont, Optimus Park, and Villa Heights, right? And so I needed six votes and they got it. Uh, some of my other members were slow to get it. And so I ran with those who got it. Uh, and so Mumford and Lasseter and those guys, while we agree uh, on that, we disagree on others. But, you know, again, there's no Republican or Democratic way to clean up a community. You got to clean up the community. All right. So we're going to have to have you back on sometime to tell war stories from the days of yeah. uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. I got stories. I'm guessing <laughs> um, and I'd love to hear you, your perspective on having served on city council and also serving in the General Assembly at some point. But uh, for this part, for the purposes of this, we'll let you wrap it up with telling people how they can find you, uh, your website, your social media. Um, Obviously, there's two weeks left of, of early voting, how they can get involved in your campaign. First of all, uh, a vote. If you have not voted, you can go to any uh, um, board-approved location uh, and vote right now. You can reach me at www.malcolmgramclt.com. That's malcolmgramclt.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at Senator M. Graham at Twitter, Facebook, uh, Malcolm Graham, Charlotte City Council District 2. Uh, we're accessible. So if you want to see me, just come to the Bailey Fort Royal Library. I think I'll be hanging out there a while for, for the next eight or nine Are you days. you be wearing fresh tracksuits every day? Yeah, because, you know, it's Agreed. what I do. That's pretty, I mean, that's amazing. That's Missy Elliott level <laughs> tracksuit. Well, well, it's, 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 it's old school, right? <laughs> 
Well, I'm a tennis player, so I got I, I'm closet. You got to so, stay ready just in case stay, the game breaks. Just out. in case someone talks about their high school days, I'm I'm good. I'm ready for I'm, it. I'm feeling some some uh, Missy Elliott <laughs> outro music here for this one. Are those? Is that velour? Huh? Is that velour? Oh lord! <laughs> come on! Come on! Now, 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 now the jokes are coming. No, it's All not. Right. It's it's Adidas. <laughs> Adidas. All right, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, good luck with the next two weeks, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Come on,